This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, August 15th, 2020. Dornall, how was your week? Hey, hey. It's been a pretty good week. I'm working on some personal stuff, but in geekly news. We've been uh, experimenting with the great old school systems. Did I tell you about my experiment? We went back in time to 1981 and play a little, what they call Moldvay or BX, Dungeons and Dragons. What can I say? I mean, at, at our age, I began with, AD&D, second edition. I never got to play the old stuff, so it's been a fun experiment. So we tried playing a, a traditional game, and uh, and I, I don't think I have the right players for it. They are, they're not happy with some of the weird rule systems, like the finicky thief skills and things. And one thing I, I got to say I agree with them on is... <clears throat> They're like, man, level one is boring. I said, okay. I mean, it depends on how you promote, you know, how, how you approach the game. But when it comes to dungeon crawling with goblins, they the, the first time they actually got into a fight with them, uh, nothing happened, which I thought was really weird. I, I was expecting this horrible, you know, massacre of, of players, but... The players are competent and uh, and tactically smart, so goblins can't hit AC2, and so it just became a, uh, they just sat there and, and sm killed all the goblins, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I think, I think that particular experiment is going to come to a close. But that was good. The, are you going to try the Jeffro thing? The Jeffro thing. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, Jeffro's been uh, doing a long-running series on his uh, blog about doing AD&D, the hardcore Gygax way. Well, uh, what can I say? I've been inspired by Jeffro's blog and the conversations we have on this show. Uh, I, I want to experience some of those things or sort of to me that's what osr means i i don't necessarily need the systems or modules but just revisiting those games to see okay what what kind of nuggets of fun what kind of nuggets of goodness and and, and neat design can i find in these uh which has been a lot of fun a lot of fun uh I don't think we're going to do, we're, we're going to go full Jeffro. I don't think we're going to go AD&D. I don't have the right group for it. Uh, these guys don't have the same sort of interest in exploring these old systems that I do. One of them actually played them. You know, they're, uh, a couple of the players are older than me. And uh, one guy's like, yeah, no, this is this is a fun nostalgia trip. I, I actually played these rules back in, you know, the early 80s. I was like, oh, okay. That's great. But... Uh, so I learned a couple of things, right? Like people, once they've 
gotten used to modern game systems like D&D 5th edition, uh, some of them don't like the, the rules that they came from. I think specifically, I know this is a common complaint actually, but the thief skills in D&D are weird. One of the complaints was it doesn't make sense that they're, you know, that they're done on percentile check instead of a d20 like everything else, which I don't uh, I don't care about personally. I don't think that's a really uh, interesting complaint. But they did say something that was really interesting. So, Daddy Warpig, if if you if you say you've got a skill that says you can do this thing, but you've got a 15% chance. What would you say to that? That's about a one in eight chance. Yeah. Uh, it's, would you, would you even attempt that skill? Uh, not unless I absolutely had to. Yeah. And what if the downside to, Failing that skill is you've got a greater chance of dying. I would probably be very wary of trying that. Yeah, that was now that's one complaint I can get behind. They were like, yeah, you know, I, I love this. You know, this game's been fun, but I've got all these skills that I can't use. I'm like, what do you mean you can't use? Look, I, I basically I've got a 10% success chance. Why, why even try? That's the game telling me you can't do this. I was like, huh. Yeah, I see why you would get that attitude. Uh, so they, I mean, we had some some real legitimate complaints about that. But I am, uh, I'm finally, I got a copy of Adventure Conqueror King System. And I've been reviewing that. And it's largely the same system. Uh, with some, some nice tweaks and house rules and a bunch of stuff added on to it. I, I can see why it's been recommended to me many times. Uh, so I'm excited to dig into that. I don't know if I'll, uh, if I'll run a game of that, but it's been fun getting back in the DM's chair. It's been really fun exploring those old systems. That's it. That's how my week's going. Well... As for my last week, I dropped entirely off the internet. Oh, I bet that was nice. Six days, I was gone. No reading Twitter, no posting on Twitter. Same for all the other social media. I just vanished. <laughs> I took a very, very long-needed sabbatical. So whatever news or events or conflicts or stupid political, uh, you know, Donnie Brooks happened the last six days, I was gone. And I don't feel like I really missed anything. <laughs> there could be a war somewhere. North Korea and South Korea could be killing each other right now in the DMZ. 
and I wouldn't know about it. Somebody could have launched a nuclear weapon, and I would have no clue. None. Nobody launched a nuclear weapon, did they? I mean, I don't think so, but... No, nobody's even threatened to do it lately. It's kind of disappointing. Okay, so this was, this was a low-key week, right? I picked a good week to just go AWOL. Yes, uh, the, the, uh, the only thing you're missing on social media is the hysteria over our uh, coronavirus and various governments' responses to it. Oh, I heard uh, Epic sued Apple. That was the one thing I sort of kind of missed, but didn't really miss. Oh, interesting. What happened? Oh, it's for, for uh, Epic makes Fortnite and Apple is this has to do with the Apple store. What's going on? Yeah. So you're telling me that I was off the internet for six days and I still know more than you about something that happened while I was gone. That's right. That's how plugged in you are. <laughs> I came back. Well, what I was doing for six days is I was watching Community. Um, and I thought, well, this is a good excuse to just stop doing something that I've been doing way too much of. And I'll watch Community because what the heck? Uh, we can talk about it on the show. And then I've just been doing that. And then yesterday I ran out of community. I was done. I watched the whole thing, all of it, all six seasons. Although several of them were half seasons, the last three. And then uh, I started watching, you know, my usual YouTube channels, which isn't actually being back on the Internet, but... You know, some of those are, some of those come cover uh, current eventish topics. So one of the ones I watched today was Hogue Law, um, and they talked about Epic suing Apple. So I got some of the details on that. Oh. <clears throat> so here's I, how it goes. Well, well, hang on today real quick. Real quick, I want to make a shout out to Ardenon hanging out, hang out in the chat. It's good to see you, man. We're working on the Buildamex stuff now this week. And sneak preview, it's going to be awesome. So I just want right. to say, hey. I believe you. I believe you it's going to be awesome because the last one was really cool. Disturbing as heck, but cool. <laughs> Is this one going to be as disturbing as heck? or uh, We're... The the first one was super disturbing, and the and the second one was uh, was really sort of frightening, and I think we're turning the dial a little bit back in the weird direction. It's okay. uh, I w once again we're not doing a traditional Gundam style combat frame. It's uh, like like the my second one was. So it's but it's not going to be as crazy as the first one. I think you'll like it. So oh, here's D the legal. Uh, DJ, we're doing uh, we're doing for Brian Niemeyer's. I'd uh, regretfully I did not build a mech for Bradford Walker's thing. Here's the legal facts. Google makes 
Android phone or, or the Android OS and some Android phones and a bunch of other people make Android phones. So people can sell programs through the Google Play Store and through any other stores that might spring up. Apple makes iPhones and the iPad and also uh, has the iTunes Store or the App Store, excuse me. iTunes Store is their media store, the App Store, where they can buy programs made by all kinds of developers to put on their iPhones and iPads. And then Microsoft has all the Surface tablets, which run Windows, and they also have uh, the Microsoft Store where they can buy games and apps for Surface tablets and other things. And also Sony has the Sony Play Store, Nintendo has, and then Sony has all the, you know, console games for the Sony console Microsoft has, the Microsoft, the, the you know, Xbox Store for their Xbox console, uh, and the Windows Play Store, Nintendo has the Nintendo Online Store, and also console games, and so on and so forth. Well, the legal claim that is coming up and has been kicked around by absolute idiots, by congenital morons, by mouth-breathing idiots, is that Apple has a monopoly a legal Sherman Act antitrust monopoly on programs sold through the App Store, the iOS App Store. And that this demands federal intercession because they charge 30%, a 30% cut for apps sold on the App Store. Wow. If you sell 30? an app for $10, they get three. If you sell an app for $1, they get 30 cents. Now, because of this monopoly, Obviously, they get so much more money than anybody else takes. They have to because it's a monopoly and they can charge more than anybody else. So you can compare this, for example, this exorbitant price to what Google gets on the Google Play Store. Apple gets 30%, way more than Google gets, which is 30%. Um, you compare this to, for example, Nintendo. Apple gets 30%, which is way more than Nintendo gets, which is 30%. Apple gets 30%, which is way more than Xbox gets, which is 30%. Apple gets 30%, which is way more than Sony gets, which is 30%. <laughs> As you can see, uh, Apple gets 30%, which is way more than Steam gets which is 30%. Um, 
Apple's disproportionate share of the revenue on the iOS store absolutely makes Epic's case that Apple has a monopoly on the iOS store. And uh, I think that therefore, with this solid mountain of evidence behind them, that Epic is going to see a rapid and total victory in this lawsuit. Yeah, Apple's done for. They are roasted. <laughs> Sorry, was that too much sarcasm? Uh, you, uh, yeah. Did you did you wash your smart pills down with sarcasm juice? That was uh, that was fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, I've seen other people talk about this kind of thing. This theory that Apple is monopoly on the I has a monopoly over the iOS store, and that therefore it's an antitrust thing, and I'm just you know, it boggles my mind. But but let's suppose that in California courts, who are very hostile to um, antitrust, if Apple gets taken down, then that means that gaming wall-to-wall -wall will have to change. Consoles will disappear. Um, there will be no more consoles because the console system, console ecosystems, will be effectively illegal. You can't have a console with that limits the sale of programs on their console, the limits the sale of games on their console, they will have to open it up to anyone who wants to come on it, and they will have to probably lower the cut that they get, which means that the economics of consoles, which is that they, generally speaking, it has been, consoles sell at a loss, right? Yes. But they yeah. make it up. In software and licensing. In software and licensing, right. But the software and licensing will become illegal. If Apple loses, making it up on software and licensing will become illegal. So consoles will effectively be banned and everything will become PC only. Now, a lot of people will think that's good, but I think there's something to be said like for, for families with small kids, the console model is really good because they can just plug and go. They don't have to deal with the complexities of an OS and drivers and, you know, building your own computer and things like that. I think there's something to be said also for a walled garden um, for Apple's model versus Google's model. I think... I'm not saying Google's model is bad or wrong. I think there's a place for that, too, where people can install whatever program they want. But in Apple's model, where they review all the programs that can be installed for security problems and for... Um, wrong think. I'm sorry, I said it again. <laughs> and for wrong think. Crime for, think. You know, crashing and things like that. They, they just go through and make sure 
that there are no hijinks going on, that the developers aren't doing things wrong. And most of the time that works. Or Google's model where, you know, you can install anything you want. And sometimes you have programs that do naughty things uh, or outright dangerous and disruptive things. Um, and I think it, it would be bad, it would be devastating to take those choices away from consumers. Sorry, I have to stop irregularly to take a sip of water. Um, so, yeah. Well, the yeah, repercussions of this lawsuit, um, I don't think there's a solid case against Apple, but the law is an ass. That's a real quote by one of the greatest jurists in American history who sat on the Supreme Court. The law is an ass. Sure is. Um, and so if Apple wins, then, or if Apple loses, then you're going to see a sea change in, in a lot of other things, um, potentially. Eventually, this is lawsuit. I don't think is going to be over quickly, um, and there's a lot of companies that are going to have to change their business models in the U.S., which is going to push changes out to the rest of the world. And whether you think those possible changes are good or bad, uh, what you're going to see is a if Apple loses, you're going to see a drastic lowering of uh, consumer choice. Well, I can't say as I have uh, much of a dog in this fight anyway. I would like to see all these corporations burn. I mean, I don't care about them. Although someone made an interesting point in chat. Was it DJ who pointed out that Tencent, a Chinese company, has a 40% stake in Epic Games? So this, this, might, be a, this might be a ploy just for publicity or attention. Or sympathy. Did you hear about uh, Did you hear about the uh, ten cent executive order? Yeah, but it was worded really vaguely, and then there was a statement from the White House that said it didn't mean what everybody thought it meant. Yeah, I, I guess the people were originally thinking that he was banning all sorts of. Tencent everything, and it was. It turned out that it was just WeChat and TikTok. All yeah. those trans those transactions should be. I think it was like a forty five day grace period, and then no more transactions will be permitted. So I don't know. They, it, it it doesn't sound like a lawsuit that's going to go in Epic's favor, other than PR. Because now App Apple's Apple's the big guy. Apple's the big bully. Apple's Goliath, and Epic is a tiny company that makes stupid diversions. Apparently, Apple crossed the line again. Is now the world's most valued company. I'm sure it's going to cross the line back. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I, I think Apple's here to stay. I can't imagine it 
I can't imagine Apple ever going away. Well, what I think people don't realize about Apple, about why they're so adamant, I mean, besides the fact this is this is an industry standard. I mean, when you sell a book on Amazon, if it's over, I think, $3.99, do you know how much Amazon takes? I have a guess. 30%. <laughs> this is the fee that everybody across, you know, and the 30% originally came from Apple when they opened the Apple Music Store. Uh, the music companies demanded that Apple could not take any more than 30%. And then when they expanded to movies, that was the royalties Apple negotiated. And so when they expanded to open up the App Store, that's the royalties they instituted. Um, if they started charging less on the App Store, then music companies and video companies would immediately start selling their music and videos as apps instead of as music and videos so they wouldn't have to pay 30%. I mean, they have to hold the line at 30% across everything and, and their books. When they sell their books, it's 30%, which is why Amazon charges 30%. You know, it just... They have to do it because otherwise somebody would be getting away with something somewhere. Um, so it's not, it's not like they're trying to screw anybody over. This is just what the first contract was signed for. And then there was a cascade effect. It just settled down as everything. Um, what was I saying though? Dang it. Dad, blam it. Oh, Apple. Apple almost went bankrupt and almost died a couple of times. And I don't think people appreciate how deeply ingrained that is in their corporate memory. how deeply they hold on to reliable sources of income. And how much that informs their ruthlessness in cutting projects, in researching new projects, in cutting failing projects. Um, and in just being always willing to move quickly and in ensuring they have income because they are always, always, always about survival and not getting complacent. They're always, always, always looking. I mean, Apple introduced the iPhone. Do you know how popular the iPod was? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, MP3 players had been around for a while, and then the iPod, uh, everybody had one all of a sudden. 
Apple was willing to destroy its iPod business. It took one of the most popular products that had ever been and shredded it and kicked it out onto the trash. They blew that thing up because they thought that the iPhone was the next big thing and they bet on the iPhone. That is a company ruthlessly willing to gamble on the next best thing so they could ensure that they were on the forefront of the revolution and they could make more money. They bet their survival because they had always been, you know, had that marked in their institutional memory, what it was like to be afraid and what it was like to allow that fear to almost kill the company. They are ruthlessly dedicated to survival and ruthlessly dedicated to ensuring future uh, revenue streams and to protecting current revenue streams in services that they can survive. I mean, that was a radical move. Can you imagine any company in the world willing to blow up something like the iPod, just throw it away? Yes and no. It, the, that does take incredible willpower to accomplish. It does make me wonder about all the potentially successful products that were discarded that we've never heard of. So, so, so yeah, it's it, but yes and no. That's it, it's both a statement on their dedication and and also hmm, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's the psychology of Apple and why. They hold that 30% because that's that's one of their revenue streams and they think it's fair. And it holds across music, movies, books, and the app store. It holds across everything. From what they from their point of view, that's what they sell these services at and that's a fair price i don't know i don't think epic has a legal leg to stand on they've no. got very very good high price lawyers and it's going to be a long battle i think yeah well yeah of course the legal battles will always take forever but i i think you're right i, I don't think i think maybe there's there's a, a smidgen of truth to what DJ said that this might just be a stunt or a, an attempt to extract some sympathy and or money, but I don't think they really have a case. We'll see. Do we have any, any other questions uh, from chat before we jump? Uh, I have not seen any. Hey, welcome. Uh, welcome to the combat frame exceed universe. Bryce Byerly. That's some good stuff. Uh, also, my combat frames are the best. You'll know when you read it, and you'll be like, wow, that's a really cool mech. And then you can go on Brian's website and check out the mechs and confirm that it was a build-a-mech. Um, hey, 
Go ahead. Didn't Brian write a massive battle scene just because he thought your mech was so awesome? <laughs> <laughs> He's done that with all the build of mechs. It's it it's so it's such a treat to see the way he treats those uh, those things. It's not like a, it's not like a cheesy cameo. He'll be like, hey, this is you know you talk with him about what your mech does and what sort of purpose it might serve in uh, combat and he'll he takes those ideas and writes a scene in the book about it um i think my my ideas in particular and my first one was a little more influential than i expected he uh, he decided that the uh, the scouting force of the enemy so this is a spoiler for those of you who have not read the uh, first and second book so i'm gonna ramble here for another few seconds in case you want to skip but if you've read the previews for the new book, Combat X Frame Exceed S, he kind of decided to make the shock troops or scouts of the alien invaders just more copies of that mech, which I I was blown away by. I thought that was cool. Uh, that DJ DJ nailed it as usual. More concise than me. The your build a mech will do something only it can do. It'll serve a purpose to the plot and be plot central. It'll be, you know, it'll be meaningful, which is which is great. And I talked to Brian about this. Here's some inside baseball. This is on my mind this week. I talked to Brian about it, and I said, "Yeah, but can't your readers tell that these are obviously cheesy build a mechs made by somebody on the internet?" And Brian's like, "Nope." They, you know, the readers who, who didn't build a mech, they can't really tell. And I get compliments on all the mechs, no matter whether I built them or you guys built them. So uh, that's cool. Uh, I think I think that's a compliment to, to Brian, the way he folds them into the story. All righty, then. So uh, we're we're only halfway through the show and and we haven't talked about the. Uh, the uh, supposed topic of this show. You mentioned watching all of something this week. Do you want to talk about that now? I watched all of Community this week. Um, we have talked about Community once before on the show a couple of years ago, I, I think. Maybe three. Um, which is fine. Uh <sighs> my brain has suddenly gone completely blank. Everything has gone out of my brain. So let me tell you a story. I was on the internet <clears throat> seven days ago. And I saw that they had done a table read for a community episode for charity. And that's just where everybody's at their home. And they, they had one of the scripts for an episode of community and all the cast was there and they sat down, they read through the script, everybody playing their characters and, uh, they did a half-hour episode of Community. So I watched it because I liked the show. 
and I'd seen the entire show before. I'm like, oh, that was cool. And then YouTube does what it always does. It thinks that if you watch one episode of Community, that you will be interested in watching every single YouTube video that has ever been made about Community. And I had a headache and I was kind of bored. So I watched a couple more of those. And then I thought to myself, self, I thought, instead of watching YouTube videos about community, why don't we watch? Now, hold on <laughs> for a second, because it was a landmark thought. It was a brilliant thought. It, it was the kind of thought that lights up your mind and, and shakes your very being to its core. I thought, self, instead of watching YouTube videos about community, why don't we actually watch community itself? So I did. Now... Rick and Morty is an animated series that I have never seen, not even one episode of, although I know it had something to do with time travel alternate universes, Szechuan sauce, McDonald's Szechuan Sauce, and Pickle Rick. I know way too much about that show for a man who hasn't watched the show. I also know that its creator is a man named Dan Harmon. Coincidentally speaking, Dan Harmon is also... Excuse me while I pause for a sip of water. Dan Harmon is also the creator of Community. At one point in the past, Dan Harmon went to a community college and set up a study group, and he thought it was really odd the group of kind of odd people who ended up in the study group, people who would never in their entire lives socialize outside of that study group. People of completely different races and backgrounds who had basically nothing in common. So he created this sitcom about a college study group. People of different races and backgrounds who had basically nothing in common, who nevertheless got together to study for this class. And that's what community is about. Now, I like community. 
liked it a lot. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought it and watched it several times. And it's an off-kilter show. It's a really bizarre show that never quite became a hit, but it became what they call a cult classic or a cult hit, where it had a very, very small but intense fan base. It lasted for six seasons. The fourth season, Sony fired Dan Harmon, kicked him off his own show in an attempt to put different writers on it to see if they could make it a genuine hit. They failed miserably. So they brought him back for the fifth season in the fifth season didn't see any improvement in ratings and got canceled off network tv oh no and the sixth season was broadcast on yahoo's streaming service and uh i was the biggest budget show on Yahoo streaming service and then uh, was canceled off Yahoo streaming service shortly before it, the whole streaming service, got shut down because of budgetary issues. Um. They had Nathan Fillion as a guest star twice on Yahoo. So if you're wondering what Yahoo's budgetary problems sprang from, not a small amount of them, I would guess, came from community itself. Uh, and they joked about that in the, ta in the table read where uh, they said that uh, they joked about community being a large part of the reason why Yahoo's streaming service got killed. <laughs> um, I just, I love the show. And I can't even point to why. Well, that was my next question. Come on, man. <laughs> why, why do you love the show so much? Um, well, I will tell you this, and this is going to sound like a negative, but it isn't. It's a weird show. And I want to compare it to, say, Scrubs. Um, and I have to compare it to Scrubs because I stopped watching TV kind of a while ago. I stopped watching regular TV other than the stuff I watch for this show, which is basically mostly painful. Um, like I'm watching Lower Decks right now. I watched the first episode, got the second episode queued up. Oh, you know better than that, but I can't wait to hear your review next week. <laughs> oh, no, it's not going to be next week. It's, it's going to be whenever they stop broadcasting it. Uh, so that's going to be in like 12 weeks, maybe 13 weeks. I'm always uh, impressed by your fortitude for uh, 
for bad TV. But uh, yeah, so compared to Scrubs, Scrubs obviously has a great set, cast of characters, uh, funny writers for most people, and uh, and but it's formulaic. It's it you, when you watch an episode of Scrubs, you don't know exactly where it's going to go, but you know what the jokes are going to be like. You know what that when certain characters show up, this is how they're going to act, and this is the sort of humor they're going to bring to the episode. So how is Community different from that? Scrubs is like, it's a jokey sitcom, right? Every yeah. 30 seconds to a minute, you know you're going to be hitting some kind of of payoff, some kind of, dang it, I forgot the word, and that's embarrassing as heck. Um, punchline. You're going to be hitting a punchline. And mm -hmm. that's what sitcoms are supposed to be, right? You're supposed to be hitting a punchline every 30 seconds, every minute or so. Um, uh, and, and before I forget this, I want to dip back to Robin Williams and, and, and something that was his fault. Before Robin Williams, sitcoms were shot with one camera. You walked onto the set, you hit your mark on the floor, you said your line, and then they shot, shot the reverses like a film, right? Then the other person said their line. And you shot the other person's talking and their reactions all at once. So you shot person A all at once. And then you flip the camera around and shot person B all at once. Well, Robin Williams is a nut. He's crazy. He never did the same thing two times in a row. And the union camera guys, they just refused to follow him. Right? They kept their cameras in the same place because by gum and by golly, that's where their cameras were supposed to be. And so they invented solely for Robin Williams the four-camera method of sitcom television where you had three cameras in the same spot so you could shoot person A at one time, person B at the same time, and uh, a third camera that was supposed to capture other action going on, and a fourth camera that was a floater that just kind of wandered around and captured something moving in the scene. And four cameras was the standard for sitcoms from then on in solely because Robin Williams couldn't do the same thing twice. Just not even that he was refusing to do it, not even that he was rebelling against it. He simply couldn't do it. Uh, scrubs. What actually broke that mold, which is why also Scrubs is a good thing to talk about, because they were shooting in a real hospital, and real hospital halls and real hospital rooms didn't have enough room to do a four-camera setup. So Scrubs uh, was a one-camera setup. Well, uh, and, and they got by with it because their cast wasn't Robin Williams. Their cast were people who could hit their mark, you know, same time every time with a few exceptions for mistakes. Um, but then you have community. And one of the things I loved about community that I never ever noticed until I watched one of those YouTube videos and then I watched the show again, was that Community had 
this phenomenal suite of directors that went on to direct kick-ass action movies. Justin Lin, who directed Fast and Furious movies, cut his teeth on Community. Hmm. The Russo brothers, who directed The Winter Soldier, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and who directed um, The Endgame, Avengers Endgame, and who directed the other big Avengers finale, whose title I can't remember right now because I'm tired and dehydrated. But you can help me with this. Endgame? The other one. There was another one? Yeah. The one before Endgame or the one after Endgame? Oh, Infinity War. Infinity War. Who directed Infinity War and Civil War and the one right after Civil War. Um, yeah. The Winter Soldier, Civil War, Endgame, and Infinity War. They directed all four of those. They directed lots of community episodes. So they weren't directing one camera static shots. They weren't directing four camera shots. They were directing boom shots. They were directing steady cam shots. They were directing overhead spinning shots. They were directing these beautiful, fabulous shots that I didn't pay attention to until I found out it was the Russo brothers. And then we went back into these episodes, and now I'm paying attention to the cinematography, and holy crap, it's beautiful. And I don't know what I was doing. No, that's a lie. I do know what I was doing. I was listening to the shows while I was playing video games. Ha-ha. <laughs> you only got half the experience. I only got half the experience. I wasn't actually watching the show, but holy crap. They have an, uh, episodes that were um, kind of became traditional where they set up these paintball matches, paintball assassin all across the campus. And then somebody would sabotage them by giving out these... Um, prizes that were way, way out of line for what would be considered good, like $100,000 <laughs> on a community college with a bunch of people who are trying to get two-year degrees. Uh, or one year it was priority registration, where you could pick all the classes you wanted. And so people kind of went nuts in the sort of heightened reality of, of Greendale. That's the college, Greendale College. And so they trashed the campus with paintballs. But, and so they're homages to action movies, right? Homages to people shooting paintballs at each other, and the last one standing got the prize. Um, 
But they're not parodies. They're not making fun of action movies, and they're not shot silly. They're not shot as, you know, scary movies or um, the airplane movies or, or uh, is it, what was the Leslie Nielsen police parodies? Naked Gun? Mm-hmm. Wasn't shot like that. They're shot deadly serious. And they've got stunts. And they've got action moves. And they do, you know, slow motion bullet time. And they're these gorgeously shot action scenes. And it's the Russo brothers shooting them. This is where they got, where they worked out all their action movie techniques that they took with them into the Marvel Universe or took with them into the Fast and Furious Universe. They worked all this stuff out. They learned all this stuff. They developed all these techniques in community. They're beautiful, pitch-perfect action movies with paintball guns, people fighting each other. Um, and it's amazing, and it's beautiful. And that's the thing about community is it's not a, a punchline a minute sitcom. It is a heightened reality uh, place where things that happen that aren't, that wouldn't necessarily happen in real life, but it's just like events and emotions turned up to maybe 12, right? Hmm people's emotions and their actions are heightened and so it's those heightened characteristics it's those heightened reactions it's those heightened emotions those heightened actions that you you wouldn't get in reality that are funny or compelling or whatever they have one episode that is a pitch perfect Law and Order. It is absolutely amazing. They just copy a Law and Order episode beat for beat? They don't copy it. They imitate it. It's not even an imitation. They take normal community events and heighten them to where the tempos of them are the tempos of a Law & Order episode. To where the way they're speaking, the way they deliver their lines, they're still the same lines those characters were delivered but they're delivered in the tempo that Law & Order characters deliver them, and the way they cut their scenes, they cut them at the same points that a Law & Order episode would. So they're not even imitating it. They're just um, sort of inhabiting it. It's hard to describe because you could do a parody of Law & Order, but it isn't a Law & Order parody. 
Um, because a parody sounds silly. It, it sounds like they would be making fun of a Law & Order episode, but they're not. They just made another Law & Order episode about community things. They sat down and wrote a Law & Order episode. Only instead of being an episode of about a murder or something, it was an episode about events at this community college. That is pitch perfect um, duplication, I would say. When you don't imitate something, you just duplicate it. That's even better than imitation, right? When you just duplicate it. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, I, I get what you mean. It's definitely not, it's not just a copy or, or homage or something like that. It's, it, they really made it another instance of law and order just with their characters and subject matter. Right. Um, and it, it, it's beautiful to watch and, and I love it because of that, because it just is law and order. And you'd think it would fail on its face. And if they didn't hit it perfectly, it would. It would just be stupid. It'd be like, oh, they're just trying to make law and order. Um, but if you do it right and you nail it, then bam, you did something great. And not every one of their shows is like that. It's not every show is uh, an attempt to run it. Uh, some of them are silly but still astoundingly funny. Um, they've got a show that is um, 70 sci-fi, like Logan's Run or any one of those 70 sci-fi movies, if, if people have watched those. Um, it's, it's just so bizarre and so amazing. It doesn't make you laugh every minute or so. But it's just, I don't know. You remember when I, uh, it was two weeks ago, I was um, I was reviewing Adventure 5, right? And I said that some of those things on the show, the only reason they had to have existed is because they were trying to make the show humorous or amusing or funny, but they completely failed. Well, things on Community, the only reason some of them exist is to make the show humorous or amusing or funny, and they completely succeeded. So whatever Adventure 5 was trying to do, Community does and did and succeeded. Um... So, yeah, the humor on the show comes from the characters and the situation. Greendale is the worst college campus in America. It is a disaster. Everything Greendale does, it does wrong. <laughs> um. It has a class called Ladders, which is about ladders. The first two 
seasons are about them taking uh, four terms of Spanish. So you should be getting a Spanish minor. And it turns out that the Spanish teacher can't actually speak Spanish and doesn't actually teach them anything about Spanish. <laughs> and at the end of two years of Spanish, they don't really know much more Spanish than when they started. <laughs> uh, qu question in the chat about, about the Law & Order episode. John Mollison says, is homage the word that you want? I think so, but I think it goes further than that. What, what I think Daddy Warpig is trying to express is something I read in a Roger Ebert review. Roger Ebert was a better writer than a movie critic, I think. And he said this about Chinatown, the famous movie with uh, Jack Nicholson. Uh, Chinatown is not an homage to the old film noir detective stories. It is film noir, and I mean that as a compliment. End quote. Is that close to what you were thinking, D-dubs? Yeah. I mean, it has other episodes that are homages. And I think that the Law & Order episode started off as an homage. But I think that that episode crossed over from being homage to just being a Law & Order episode with, I mean, like that 70s sci-fi show, that's an homage. Clearly, it's an homage to those 70s sci-fi movies. But that Law & Order episode crossed over from being an homage to just being a, uh, a Law & Order episode. It, it was absolutely, utterly pitch perfect. And the thing is, it actually is a good mystery, and I think that's what makes it a Law & Order episode, is there is a real mystery there that they really investigate and really solve. And the real mystery, um, there are clues that are laid out that come up throughout the show, and those clues come together at the end in an uh, unexpected way to show you there, there's a solution. There's a real solution there um, That that's even better than most Law & Order episodes. They actually made a mystery that's better than the vast majority of Law & Order episodes. A real mystery. That's why I think it succeeds as a Law & Order episode. Is it's better, the mystery is better than most Law & Orders. Um, there are many, many homage episodes. There are many, many character-based episodes that once you get into the show and you know the characters, if you like the characters, that, that's the kick to the show, right? You have to like the characters or at least enjoy watching the characters do their things in order to enjoy the show. If you don't find the characters interesting, if you don't like them going through their paces, you won't enjoy the show. The show will just, just kind of sit there. So let's go back to Scrubs for just a second. Zach Brass character, uh, the doctor, um, he is the center of that show. He's kind of the main character of that show. 
Yeah. He's kind of that emotional feeling guy. And the, the show itself reflects his characterization. The show is him in a larger sense, right? Uh-huh. Um, the character on Community, who's the center of the show, is this kind of, is a character who interacts with reality through the medium of pop culture. He's He's got sort of Asperger's or autism. He doesn't understand other people, doesn't understand their emotions, can't really relate to other people. And so he relates to other people sort of through pop culture. Um, and he interprets how people feel through how pop culture characters feel and how people act and react through television shows and movies and things like that. And that's how the show kind of is because they move from situation to situation. Um, the show plays with sitcom and movie tropes and they're doing homages several episodes and they're doing they're flipping things on their head and they're very meta with their humor you know when they uh are doing a bottle episode uh which is uh, those of you who know is when a show sticks everyone in the same set and they do the entire episode in that set that's a bottle episode. And so at one point, they constrain everybody to one room. And Abed says, this is Abed Nadir is the character I'm talking about. He says, we're doing a bottle episode, bottle episode, bottle episode, bottle episode. Because they're all stuck in the same room for the whole episode, they're meta calling out an op a bottle episode through the character of Abed. So because he sees it as a bottle episode, and the show actually is doing a bottle episode, he is sort of the reflection of the show. They do a fake clip show, okay? And those of you who remember what a clip show was, that's when, you know, a show was out of budget. They needed to save a bunch of money. So they just took little pieces of past episodes and hooked them all together uh, and had a framing of the characters remembering their past events, Every show did it. Even a show, blockbuster show like Friends did it um, because they just had to save a bunch of money. They'd spend all their budget elsewhere. Well, um, Community does a fake clip show where they invented a bunch of past adventures and shot tiny pieces of them and stuck them in a larger show but they're calling out the trope of a clip show that other shows did. So a lot of the humor depends on you, the audience, knowing what TV shows, knowing what um, sitcoms have done before. You kind of have to be media savvy to watch the show and get all the jokes. If you haven't seen several sitcoms before, you won't get a lot of the jokes. In, in depending on the episode. And I think that is where the show didn't take off as a hit, is most people 
don't analyze media. And so they're not going to be, and they weren't in tune with that level of humor because you have to really watch a lot of TV shows and movies and more importantly, compare a lot of them to each other and spend a lot of time discussing them to get those kinds of jokes. And most people don't. Most people hadn't. Um, but all of that is the character of Abed Nadir. So he, his personality, his traits, they were the center of what the show was. So whereas Zach Braff's character was um, Cheers, or excuse me, was Scrubs, Abed Nadir's character is, or Abed Nadir, the character of Abed Nadir is community. Um, but I hung with it because I liked the characters, or at least I enjoyed watching them interact. I didn't necessarily like any of the characters personally. I wouldn't hang out with any of them. <laughs> I'm glad you made that distinction. I've only seen like three episodes and I'm like, huh, I hate all these people. I would not hang out with any of them, but I enjoyed watching them interact because I thought their interactions are funny. But I did enjoy the show and lots of the episodes were bordering on genius. I will say, as someone who hasn't really seen the show and doesn't, didn't like it, I, I appreciate how I appreciate your reflection on it. Sort of. This is the second time we talked about this, like you said, and I appreciate how you were able to appreciate the cinematography and and the influences. Also, one of the few episodes I've seen is the bottle episode, and that was really really good. I'd never really watched the show before, and I got a feel for all the characters' personalities because of that bottle episode. If I could recommend to you, if you're not, if you don't want to watch the whole series, if I could recommend episodes to you, watch the first two paintball episodes. Um, one of them is called A Fistful of Paintballs. It's a Western themed episode. Um, and, and let me just grab my program. Uh, and by program, I mean literally my TV program that has all of my shows in it so I can give you titles. Um, I'm just going to give you two or three episodes if you want to look these up somewhere. It's streaming on Netflix right now for free. Um, and it was very, very popular on Netflix. Um, so from the first season... Uh, episode 23 is called Modern Warfare. That is the first paintball episode. I would recommend that highly. From the second season, also episode 23, A Fistful of Paintballs. And then from uh, season 3... Basic Lupine Urology. And I want to explain that title. <laughs> Lupine means wolf. 
urology is, you know, urine peeing. Well, the producer of uh, Law and Order, his name oh. is Wolf. <laughs> so basic loop <clears throat> urology is Dick Wolf. Um, so those three episodes are are some of my absolute favorite episodes. Uh, there are a lot of really good episodes. You can skip all of season four, honestly. In, <laughs> in my uh, in my humble opinion, but uh, I like the whole series. But those are three of my favorite episodes. Again, two of them are the paintball episodes because they are they're the best. Um, I uh, if there's one thing we know about Daddy Warpig, he loves his action episodes. Brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> there's also a GI Joe episode uh, that I was going to talk about more, but we're running out of time. But if you uh, if you want to catch the GI Joe episode, it's not as good as everything else, but it it is kind of funny. It's called GI Joe. G.I. Jeff, episode 11 and season 5. It's not as good as most as all of the rest of the episodes, but I like it. I like it. It's not super good, but it's kind of nostalgic. It's worth the nostalgia. Cool. Um, that, I guess that's a guilty pleasure. We'll call that a guilty pleasure episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have any questions. I'm glad that you found a reason to return to the show and, and got a lot of value out of it. Um, do we have any questions from the chat? Nope. Chat's good. Chat's good. I think, uh, I don't think they care about community as much as anime, so they're <laughs> off doing their own thing. Uh, but uh, I've had fun. It was fun chatting with you, hanging out with the guys in the chat. I hope everybody who listens to this later enjoyed the discussion. But I'm done for the week. Um, is it time for the... Uh, uh, yeah, you do whatever you like uh, at, at the end, but it is time. Alright, let me get a sip of water before we go into the spiel. Sip of water. Prepare yourselves for Daddy War Pigs outro my yeah. mind is steeled <laughs> are your ears steeled they uh, i've got the equivalent of calluses for oh, the year for the years of doing this show all right folks we want to thank you for tuning in uh to geek gab you can find us on youtube.com slash geek gab that's youtube.com Slash Geek Gab. We're here just about every week at uh, this time and this place. You can also check us out on uh, the Google Play Store, uh, which uh, charges people 30% if you were selling anything, which we are not. Uh, you can catch us on the uh, iTunes Store, which again charges people 30% for selling everything, uh, which we are not. And you can catch us on the soundcloud.com which uh i don't know that they sell anything at all but if they did 
they would charge 30 percent uh for selling things which we are not this is geek gab we are the monopoly supplier for geek gab episodes we are signing off for today but don't you worry don't you fret we will be back